Hey, it's Casey Cheshire from EO Boston. It's an honor for my team at Ringmaster to partner with EO Atlanta to produce this great podcast. If you're interested in an experience share around what it takes to launch a podcast, how to be a better host, or a great guest, shoot me an email at casey at ringmaster.com. And now back to the show. Entrepreneurship is hard. So let's fix that and dive into our hero's journeys. This is Taking Flight, an entrepreneur's journey, and I'm Sarah Torville. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of those already in flight. This show is sponsored by EO Atlanta. Hello to our viewers and to our watchers, people who are actually watching us, hopefully on some of the many platforms that we're on. It's wonderful to be here today. Um, as you know, we've been ex uh, really kind of listening to another really, really interesting entrepreneur joining us today. Um, the person we're going to be speaking to um, loves to create beautiful and functional living environments. She's a very thoughtful entrepreneur and a very strong businesswoman. President at Catherine Wilson Interiors, I'd love to introduce Catherine Wilson. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me on your podcast. You are extremely welcome. I've been looking forward to this day since we had our first initial conversation. So um, it's going to be good. I agree. Okay. So um, I love to kind of really start off strong, Catherine, and ask you, you know, on your entrepreneurial journey, what did you get right when you first took your flight? I would have to say that um, I really adopted that adage. If you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, I truly, absolutely love the process of making houses into homes. And that process comes from tapping into the, the psychology of my clients mm -hmm. and truly getting to know who they are. I'm not a cookie cutter designer. I am a designer that tries to get into your head if you're my client or your family's head, collective head. Yeah. Um, and it helps when the client knows who they are so that I can really glean who they are and then translate it into their home. Um, I will say that um, that passion, that do what you love every day has kind of morphed and grown over the years. In the beginning, I would have said, don't give me a spreadsheet. Don't, I don't want to look at a PL. Right. I, I was not, I was the creative. I was not the business mind. And through the years, I have um, developed more of a passion for the business side of the business. And because um, it is a business and not a hobby yeah. anymore. And I, I will say that EO has helped me make that successful transition. All yeah. the wonderful people and the experiences through EO has lifted me as a creative into a, a truly a business person now. That's wonderful to hear. Um, and yeah, you're right. Uh, people, they say that doing what you love, you'll never feel like you're going to work. Uh, what about me, Ashley, though? What about when things get tough? Just out of interest, how do you handle that? Because, I mean, does the passion just drive you through, you think? Yes, generally. And um, just following through with my clients, yeah. uh, just, you know, seeing that vision all the way through. And I think the 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 business portion, the the accountability portion of, of getting it all the way through and making sure my clients are satisfied, yeah. that plus the passion of 
making beautiful spaces. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't mind, I just want to dig deeper just into something you said, because I, th- I find, because I'm, I'm in the creative work too, a different, different type of creative, but uh, we have to try and understand our clients too. So how do you understand your clients? Well, um, first and foremost, um, I went to UNC Chapel Hill and I went to my advisor and they said, oh, if you take two more classes in psychology, you have a double major. And I thought, oh, okay. Had no idea how instrumental that would be in my future career, right. my job. Um, but I would have to say just on a fundamental level, listening. Really listening and reading in between the lines, because sometimes when people say, I don't like that, or I don't want that, or I can't afford that, it usually means something deeper. And the ability to ask and probe and figure out really what are they trying to say? What are they trying to communicate? And it's my job to help translate that. Right. Okay. That's great. So a psychology degree makes a lot of sense. So um, (laughs) that's... That's great. So who are or were your co-pilots on this journey? Um, I feel like I have two co-pilots right now. My first co-pilot, um, without a shadow of a doubt, is my husband. Um, we've been married almost 28 years, got married on April Fool's Day. Wow. Um, anyway, <laughs> he, um, he was definitely a supporter. I, When we got married, I worked for Bristol Myers Squibb in pharmaceutical sales and we called that package the golden handcuffs because I had a, a great salary, lots of um, perks, you know, company car, stock options, bonuses, right. trips, travel, yeah. you know, less healthcare, you name it. And so the thought of becoming an entrepreneur was, you know, very daunting. Yeah. And I look back on it, I'm absolutely, utterly amazed that he supported me in this journey, but he did. And he became my biggest cheerleader. He not only was, you know, supported me um, financially in the very beginning, but he would listen to all my babbling, you know, late at night, pillow talk, processing things, you know, what should I do here with this client? What should I do here with this employee? And he also was bank of bill. I was very conservative in how I ran my business. And every now and then I would skate really close to the edge and didn't want to, you know, go into my line of credit. Yeah. And he was bank of bill for me. So he's been there for me on a ton of levels. Right. Um, my second in command, Margaret, uh, she has filled in the gaps where I am not the greatest, which yeah. is, you know, organizational skills, the... Um, you know, just the, the the core business practices, the finances. She started with me, flex time, accounting, bookkeeping, and she has moved full time and really runs the operation. So she is definitely my sidekick. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. And you need to have somebody like actually, you need both those people in your life for sure. I, I believe you do from my experience. So um, that's incredible. Okay, so what is a challenge you and your team had to solve recently? Um, human resources, human resources, human resources. Um, (laughs) I can't say that enough. Um, I I don't care if you're a small business or you're a fortune 500 company. I think that is one of the bigger challenges facing managers and entrepreneurs right now. And, um, 
Recently, my HR consultant said to me, nice work, a young Skywalker. And I thought I had literally arrived because we have been on a journey at, to, to find the right fit of employees with our culture, as well as in our industry. It's a little bit different and probably similar with you. You need a creative to be creatives to be in your business, but you also need them to have the business sense. That's hard. It's really hard. It's not an easy combination. So um, I think we, I think we have learned and grown on the inside of knowing what to look for, knowing what to ask for, knowing what to vet for. And we have an excellent team now that the nexus of it is all around our core values. And we are not compromising that. And as a result, we have a good team. Not yeah. <laughs> it's always evolving, always growing, oh, yeah, always changing. That's Nothing just ever stays the same. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. But you're right. It's very difficult to find the creative with the business sense. So so you took, a, you took some time to do that, did you? I did. I did. And I have to say, over the last six months or so, it, you know, made my life harder. You know, I could have, you know, they have that old adage that you hire really slow and fire really fast. Yeah. And we took the hiring process really slowly. And um, I feel really good about, you know, a lot of the decisions that we've made. Good. Yeah. And that, that firing really fast, sometimes that's so hard to do when you, you need them, like they're on the client account. It's like, you know, and, but then again, you know that they could, they're going to be potentially damaging, but it's difficult to do that, isn't it? It is, it is definitely yeah. very difficult. And there's the human component of it. You know, it doesn't mean that they, you know, they're, they're good people, they're nice people, but yeah. they may not be a fit and they may not be right for my business, your business. And at the end of the day, we have to make decisions that are right for our business. Yeah. While that may sound, Selfish? It's not. We are out there. We're, we're set up and designed to serve our client, mm-hmm. and I am set up and designed to serve the business, which then serves the employees that are working with yeah. me and for me and doing a great job. Yeah, um, it it becomes a, a spiral that you can't really quantify until yeah. you stand back later and look back, look back at, at the it. situation. Mm-hmm. I agree. Can I just ask you how have you gone about? Um, hiring like this creative what did you do you use a uh, recruitment firm do you do it yourself a little bit of doing it ourselves I I am really adopting the adage of um of kind of keeping a deep bench before you need to hire yeah um, and having some names in the background some contacts in the background so that when you are ready to hire it is more of a personal touch yeah, may or may not work out, but um, and and then I haven't gone through recruitment firms. I've used mainly um, I've found folks through LinkedIn and through word of mouth. Yeah, um, and then used my HR consultant as well as use the tools that Gorilla Hire had provides, which is aptitude and skills test and you know matches that you know, how that person or that candidate fits in with our current team members. Okay. That's cool. Gorilla hired, you say? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just writing that down. It's always yeah. nice to get these nuggets yeah. of advice. Mm-hmm. So um, that's wonderful. Okay. So um, 
I suppose is there was there a book that you kind of want to recommend that maybe helped you with that particular challenge or something right now you're reading which is just you're finding extremely beneficial I I have a string of business books but none of them as far as the book really profoundly affected me they were all very helpful and I pulled pearls of wisdom but yeah, I kept coming back to one book that I've read several times over the years, and I've also, you know, seen the play umpteen times. Is Les Miserables by Victor Hugo, and the the reason why it kept coming to mind is that it is a book largely about human resiliency or the resiliency of the human spirit. Yeah, and while we as entrepreneurs are not exactly fighting for our lives or fighting for our freedom, we are, you know, we should be models of resiliency. You know, everything always changes. You have new challenges every day, every week, every year. And resiliency, pivoting, changing and adapting are really the name of the game. And so there's a metaphor there in Les Mis. Mm -hmm. The other metaphor is with the concept of law versus grace Right. In, in business, um, it, you know, when you're in some of your business meetings or EO meetings, you you share best practices and the law, if you will. You know, here's the best way to do something. And for the most part, those are true. Yeah. But I feel that a good entrepreneur needs to know when to balance that legalism, law, best practices with grace yeah. and with the human element, the what's really the best thing to do here. It may not be the best financial or business decision, but overall, is it the best decision for my company, for my client, for my employees? And so, you know, weighing that, um, the, the balance of grace versus law, which is prevalent as a metaphor, um, in my mess. And then the, the, Final imagery, which has to do with me as a creative, is Paris. It's the the book is set in Paris, and the imagery of the beauty of that city is incredibly profound, even in wartime. But um, I love Paris. My daughter's in, in school there, and um, it is such an inspirational place from an architectural, cultural beauty perspective. So. Those like they all three, mixed together, yeah. All those mixed together is um, is the book that that I would recommend, but not necessarily a, a business book per se. No, and I I love the fact that you've used a non business book to, like you say, to show some the values from it and how you then apply that to what you do. Um, yeah, I don't hear that term enough. Grace being used in business. I mean. I don't, not to say people aren't using grace, you just don't hear it being discussed. So it's lovely that you pulled that to the surface because I do agree that there may be the, the, sometimes the right way based on what business practice should look like, but you've got to take into the fact that we're all humans and we need to treat people with grace. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Okay. I love it. What excites you about the future? Like your, what does your future of flight look like? The future of flight, what it looks like. Um, I am in the phase right now of I'm growing and expanding. And I'm in that creative industry where 
you know, for the most part, when people hire someone from CCW Interiors, it is me and my creativity. So I'm in that expansion phase that's a little more difficult to then other companies that are much more scalable, if you will, but I'm on that quest. Right. Okay. We we need to keep an eye out. (laughs) Love to see that. Okay, good. Um, All righty. So I just would love to kind of learn a little bit more about you, Catherine, like, you know, in terms of before you took your entrepreneur's flight, I mean, you mentioned already you had a very good job. And that must have been extremely difficult to cut off. But what was there other things which happened before which kind of shaped you to do you think to take that move to become an entrepreneur? Um, absolutely. Um I I did not grow up with a lot of wealth. I grew up in a small town in North Carolina. And um, we didn't have the finest of things, but but what we did have, my parents, you know, used their money wisely and I had a, a nice home and my mother was a business owner. Um, she owned a dress shop in the little town and was very well-known and well-connected. She definitely had a flair. And so I watched and I absorbed and I expanded upon it. Yeah. Um, but I would have to say probably one of my most pivotal moments was when I was in high school and I went to Greensboro, North Carolina and competed in the Junior Miss of North Carolina I stayed in a home of one of the family members of one of the textile manufacturing companies, one of the largest ones in the world. And when I walked into their home, it was as if I was Cinderella, that someone had just slipped on that glass slipper on my foot. Um, My world opened up. And I knew at that moment, two things. Number one, I knew that I would have a home that spoke to me the way this house was speaking to me. And number two, it planted the seed that I wanted to do this as a profession. And when I say when I walked into that that home and it was gorgeous, it wasn't that I wanted to replicate that home. I wanted to replicate that feeling. Right. Um, Because what I feel that I am charged to do as a designer is to create an environment that you as the client retreats to in the evening and you are filled up so that in the morning when you go back out into the world, you are absolutely the best that you can be because your home is your haven. Yeah. So. That's so true. Well, yeah, about 12 years later. And three houses that I had, what I call blown up, put back together and flipped. Um, I launched CCW Interiors, but it was, there was another pivotal moment when my neighbor reached out to me and said, I know you're going to think this is really weird, but can I hire you to design my home? Right. And I said, well, yeah. it's not so weird. And <laughs> it was literally <laughs> about that. Thank you for, yeah. thank you for the segue, but. Um, it was, that was the, the nudge that I needed to leave my golden handcuffs and, and start my business. Yes. And you did it. My gosh. Now I've never, again, you're saying some things I just haven't heard before. Um, and I do agree with you. I take a lot of pride in my home. I've had an interior designer come in who's a friend and I fit, you know, but I haven't ever heard that when you say, and it's so true. It fills you up at night. With all the lovely things you have around you, and I don't mean just things, I mean things which make you happy. Mm-hmm. And um, and then so the next morning, 
you know, you're able to go back out and, and be a warrior again, kind of to some extent, because that's what being an entrepreneur is about. So, <laughs> really? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that. I love, love that very much. So yeah. what problem do you solve right now, Catherine, and what impact do you think you have made? Um, well, I, I mean, I hope that I believe, I mean, I have a lot of repeat business, so I do believe I'm making a difference in people's lives. Yeah. You can make an argument that what I do is kind of trite and trivial. You know, there are people in the world that don't have homes or that are home insecure, but, um, I really do believe that creating that nest, that home, that environment that makes you feel secure and makes you the best person that you can be is critical. Yeah. So I, I do believe I contribute that. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely think you do. I know it makes a difference. My introspection question. I love this question. So if, if you were to do this all again, would you do it all over again? You know, I love this question. Um, <laughs> I absolutely would do it all over yeah. again. Um, I, at times I think, wow, what if I had started this right out of college? Where yeah. would I be today? Um, I'm not sure I would have had the gravitas or the confidence or the inspiration. I'm not really sure if, uh, you know, honestly, I probably would say, nope, I just do it exactly the way that I did it. Yeah. The only thing that I know for a fact that I would have changed is that I would have joined EO as an accelerator. I joined EO straight up and I feel like I, you know, went from, you know, business 101 all the way to 104. And then I had to go back and, you know, pick up springs of knowledge along the way. Yeah. I did it. I made it. I'm I'm fine. But if I could have been a little bit more methodical about the business component of what I, all the business components about what I'm doing, again, it would be telling yeah. where I would be today. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't mean to keep making the same, like the uh, analogy that, um, that my situation is similar, but it, it's so true. I think when you have a passion for something, you forget that you can A, charge for it. Mm-hmm. And B, you can turn it into a business. And I and I did the same. I spent many years just like really enjoying what I did, not thinking about scale um, because you you feel privileged to do what you're doing. Right. Um, yeah. And so I was the same. And then suddenly you realize, whoa, there's a, you mean, you mean one day maybe I can sell this company? You know, things like that just trigger the mind to think, oh, I hadn't, hadn't ever considered that. And you're right, EO provides that pathway for sure. It definitely does. Yeah. And when, you know, you can probably identify with this when something that comes so innately easy to you, yeah, you forget that other people yeah. don't have that ability or gift. And so yeah. why not teach that and part that and allow yeah. that to grow and i.e. sell? Yeah, I agree with you. It's a little bonus round. What do you do outside of work? When you're not designing beautiful, you know, homes and making beautiful living experiences. What does it look like? I um, do a lot of traveling. Um, I I don't do the best job at turning my brain off even when I'm at home. Um, You know, when we're entertaining, when I'm, you know, when we have, you know, meals together, um, I do put my phone aside and turn my brain off and I am present, but I'm kind of available mentally thinking, uh, you know, processing ideas, you know, what can I do next? 
Um, so very much the business is part of me, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, love to travel both, you know, in the United States, internationally, love to spend time with my friends. And probably the thing that gives me most joy is spending time with my adult children. Yeah. Um, you know, raising children was a, a wonderful journey. Sometimes it wasn't so wonderful, <laughs> but they've, they've reached the other side now and they're, you know, that's good and contributing. And I, I, I love those little human beings. Yeah, that's good. As I sit here with my 20 year old daughter on the floor with her dog, she's about to go back to university. So, um, yeah, we're still in the, you in the midst it. of, yeah, I get it. You get it. Yeah. <laughs> they are fun to spend time with for sure. They are. I also yeah. have, um, I also have something that takes up a lot of emotional energy. Um, my mother has Alzheimer's and my brother-in-law, my husband's youngest brother or younger brother, um, has FTD, which is frontal temporal dementia, which Bruce Willis, Demi Moore just announced that that's yeah. what he has. Right. So it's, those are two very wicked, cruel diseases that, that take over. Um, so, you know, in the midst of trying to enjoy family, um, you know, I'm yeah. dealing yeah. with that. Yeah. That's, that must be very difficult to deal with as well. So, um, well, thank you for sharing like the things, you know, you love to do. And I, I know your daughter's in Paris and that must be wonderful. I, I lived in the city for six months. I didn't have quite the best experience if I'm honest, but, um, you know, it's a I, tough, I, it's a tough, a tough city. city. Yeah. yeah. It definitely is. So I got my car broken into. I got it like it bashed into several times. By the time I took my car home, my father did not recognize it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't have a car, but yeah, that's good. This was like 30 years ago. And I drove from England to Paris and, and, and I taught, um, not taught, I was teaching in a, I was working in a translation agency near Gardenor, which is a little bit of a, um, <laughs> slightly rougher area as well yeah. so but it is and that going back now as an adult I see the uh, beautiful side of it too so right. I, I I'm not sure I could live there I'm yeah. so proud of my daughter but I'm I'm, yeah. I'm with you I get yeah. it I, I go on vacation there yeah, very different. different very different very <laughs> yeah. different so Catherine where can people connect with you um you can reach us um through Instagram at Catherine Wilson Interiors or look at our website and connect there. And that is ccwinteriors.com. That's fabulous. Well, I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Um, thank you so much for being on the EO Atlanta Taking Flight podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And thank you to our audience. If you learned something today, uh, or you laughed or you got inspired, please tell someone about this podcast. Again, thank you, Catherine. And I'm looking forward to the next episode of EO Atlanta's Taking Flight. And so that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at takingflight.live. For more information about EO Atlanta, visit eoatlanta.org. Special thanks to the following sponsors. 